1947, 70 years ago. It's uh, maybe hard for us to understand now, but uh, there was no such thing as supersonic flight. There was no such thing as uh, lunar missions and uh, probes that would ex explore the outer reaches uh, of our universe. And uh, there was a group in it was Lompoc Army Air Base in California uh, that started to, to test those limits. Chuck Yeager was a lead pilot of that group. They started flying the X-1, and their goal was to break uh, the supersonic barrier, uh, speed barrier, and, and uh, very much putting their lives at risk. Uh, after they broke that barrier some six years later, uh, that base now called Edwards Air Force Base, uh, it, it started to develop a group of men uh, who would become what we now know as the Mercury astronauts. There were seven men in that program, and their exploits, their challenges, their difficulties are depicted in uh, the book, and the movie was made based on the book called The Right Stuff, 1984. Any, have any of y'all seen that? It was a... Uh, I, I remember seeing it. I was in college. I, I remember how... Uh, profound it was and what a powerful depiction it was of the challenges that these men and their wives and their families faced and how they put their lives on the line. It depicted the grueling uh, physical and mental test uh, that they had to go through to, in training uh, to become the first astronauts, the first uh, Americans that went into space. Uh, the Russians also had a program in and they had some of the same kind of folks that were just as dedicated and, and just as tried, uh, just as having to deal with those difficult stresses of, of charting new courses. I, I thought of that movie this week as I read Second Timothy chapter 3. As I read Second Timothy chapter 3, it is not a feel-good chapter. In fact, it begins by telling us about the signs of perilous times that are to come. It begins by saying that there are tough times that will come. And so as I read this passage and as I share it with you today, I want you to hear at the beginning, and I will say it again at the end, I believe God can give you the right stuff for uh, being not only a survivor, but even one who thrives in whatever circumstances are to come. I believe God will give his people power and comfort and peace to prevail over whatever comes. Uh, but we will need his right stuff. We can't do it ourselves. We, we need him, his power, his wisdom, his strength uh, to deal with what is to come. Well, the signs of the perilous times, I think, are given to us and, and probably the key for the whole chapter is in verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Mark this. Remember who he's writing, Paul writing to Timothy. Paul is in prison in Rome. And as I shared with you a couple weeks ago, the, the, the times and the tides have changed for the Christian people. Because there's an emperor in Rome who most likely is insane, his name Nero. He, because of fire... Uh, spreads through Rome and is blamed upon Christians, he decides that the Christians are the enemy. He's going to wipe them out. He's going to persecute them. And, 
And that's why Paul is in prison. Uh, That's why Paul writes to Timothy, there will be terrible times to come in the last days. What does Paul mean by the expression last days? I I think it has at least three meanings. Uh, First, it can apply to the entire period between the first and second comings of Christ. That is, all of the 2,000 years of of church history, almost 2,000 years since then, uh, Christ could have come at any time. The entire church age can be called the last days. I think it also applies to unique periods of spiritual testing that occur at different times in different places. In other words, in different parts of the globe, uh, there have been Christians and churches that have had to deal with times like these last days. They've had to deal with unique periods of of persecution where many Christians lost their lives as they sought to be true to Christ and true to God instead of the political powers of the age. It also can apply to, and maybe that's what we normally think about, the last days and months and years preceding our Lord's return to the earth, preceding the second coming. You know, when thinking about that, you think about a woman going into labor, labor pains. She knows when she's about to give birth because the frequency and the severity of the labor pains increase. And these days, we men get to experience that as well, at least by being with our wives. And that is, it's a tough thing to watch as that pain grows and takes over a body. But at least, you know, good is going to come out of it. And the same thing I would encourage you to think about. As I talk about the last days today, I want you to know that I am not pessimistic about what is to come. I believe there will be tough times in the future for the church and for Christians who remain true to Christ. But I'm also not pessimistic about that. I think good times are to come. Are we in the last days? It's hard to know for sure. But we certainly, if you follow that first definition, are in those times. And I believe the drift of the culture uh, appears to uh, be making this come closer and closer. Carl F.H. Henry wrote in 1988 uh, that eventually... Humanism was benign at first. He believed that in the 21st century, uh, the church would see a time in which uh, humanism, paganism would grow. It would drop the mask of uh, benign coexistence and it would actually become hostile uh, toward Christianity. And I think those times loom closer and closer. And Paul says these are terrible times. That word in Greek is only used here and in one other place. In Matthew 8, 28, it says this. Uh, when Jesus arrived at the other side, let's see the scripture. When Jesus arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent, they were so terrible that no one could pass that way. So in English, this English version, NIV, that same word's translated terrible. Uh, it's translated violent that was terrible in our passage. I am not uh, sugarcoating it. It will be difficult for people of faith. But I believe that God can give us the right stuff. In these last times, these last days, in these perilous times, 
it will be marked by two signs, I think. First, rampant corruption. There'll be rampant corruption. Verses 1 through 5 of 2 Timothy 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful. As I read this list, I want you to think, uh, are these, uh, these qualities, are they increasing in our society or are they decreasing? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Are those qualities increasing? Now, I'm not one of those that, that always is going on. I, I think there's always been evil in the world. I, I think there's always been ungodliness in the world. I, I think there's always been people who, as he talked about in verse 5, who, who claim to, the, the word in Greek here means kind of, they take the outward appearance of godliness, but, but on the inside, it's really about themselves. It's always been the struggle between being a person who is self-centered and a person who is other-centered or even more, even better, a person who decides that God will be the center of their life rather than themselves. There's always been that struggle. It's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And it is our nature to be selfish and self-oriented. The problem is, and what he's describing here, is it will become culturally acceptable, even promoted to make yourself the focus, to make pleasing yourself something that you should do, according to everyone else. And, and does that happen? Yes. Yes, that happens in our culture. A, a quick survey of our media, you know that to be true. And it's easy for us to have those kind of, <clears throat> those kind of influences around us where we maybe can get off track. I, I want you to think today, if you will, maybe through this week, think about, do a self-assessment. Where are you in, in terms of your values? Are your values uh, about pleasing God or are they about pleasing yourself? And just think through that. I, <clears throat> I want you to understand and see here that Paul's saying not only will be that a, be a temptation for you individually, but, but it even will become people who are in leadership will, will take on that role. People who are in leadership will, will begin to, to lead you down the wrong path. You know, no question here, Paul says, there will be a rise of false leadership. And we see that other places in Scripture, in the New Testament, there will be rises, uh, a rise in the number of, of false teachers, uh, of people that would lead you astray, who, people who take that outward appearance of godliness and yet are kind of... A, false or uh, they're frauds they're uh, ones who uh, would lead you astray you know I think about the beginning of the movement that is our theological forebear well, we uh, are an independent church we're, we're non-denominational but we rise out of a movement began by a man named Alexander Campbell and his co- co-worker colleague uh, Barton W. Stone it's called the restoration movement in the early 1800s, they saw that 
many, the church had splintered into so many denominations and, and many of those denominations were, were getting away from the original form of the church you see in the book of Acts, the, the practices that you see in the book of Acts. So they decided that if they wanted to, to lead and to bring together a, a collection, a congregation or congregations of churches that were, were comprised of people that wanted to be Christians only. People, people that were solely focused on Christ, not man-made traditions and creeds. And that's what we mean by restoration. They wanted to restore the first century church. And that's what we want to be here. That's uh, kind of our theological mindset is we want to be as much as we can like a church of the first century. For example, that's why we have communion every Sunday is we think the early church had communion at least every Sunday. It's why we don't have a preponderant, uh, preponderance of rules in this body. Uh, where the scriptures are black and white, uh, we ask for unity, for agreement. Uh, where they are gray, where they don't clearly speak to contemporary issues, we allow for diversity in those things. But in all things, we want to have love. Uh, we want to avoid this kind of corruption that you read about in verses 1 through 5. And we certainly want to avoid the second sign, the religious... Uh, hucksterism, religious frauds that you see that will rise in that time. Uh, verses 6 through 9 say this, They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning uh, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as is the case of those men, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. A couple things to see. One, I want you to understand, it's not a slam against women. This is not the rantings of a chauvinist here. Uh, he's really talking about the mindset, and you can tell that by the Greek words that he used. He is, when he says gullible, he's talking about uh, people that uh, because they are insecure and because they have, uh, they've given in uh, to, to temptation in the past, and the allusion here is to sexual morality. Uh, so in this culture where there was uh, very much a paternalistic culture, he, he's talking about women who maybe have been taken advantage of uh, by others and have built up this this load of guilt, as he says, their load of sin, this load of guilt and insecurity. Uh, they maybe have given in to the sexual temptation. Uh, they, they will be able to be easily swayed, easily misled. And so it's talking about a mindset. The Greek word really means silly or inane. Uh, it's, so that's the kind of mindset we're saying and, and understanding. And I will say this to all of us. If we don't grow in our understanding, we don't pursue knowledge, spiritual knowledge, if we don't pursue the study of the scriptures, if we don't pursue being a student of the truth, then any of us could be there, whether we're male or female. Any of us could be gullible. Any of us could be misled. Any of us could be deceived. All of us have sins in our past. All of us have given in to temptation, it could make us in that same place if we don't watch ourselves. And that's exactly what Paul's trying to say 
don't follow in that that mindset don't allow your weakness don't allow your past to make you easily misled or easily deceived and then he calls to mind the the two Janus and Jambres are thought to be the Egyptian magicians if you remember if you read the book of Exodus that actually opposed Moses and if you remember what they did they they were able to replicate some of the same uh, signs or plagues that Moses brought as the trying to get Pharaoh to let the the Israelites go uh, they were able to do some of the same miraculous signs what I think he's saying here is understand this in those last days there will be people who uh, who claim to be religious teachers claim to be spiritual teachers who one are about themselves and not about God two are, are very glib and persuasive and will claim to be from the truth. Remember, remember, there's always a little truth in most fraud. And three, they will actually have not from God, not from godly powers, but they will have from evil powers. Remember the other reference to that word terrible was these men in the Gadarenes who had the, these terrible, violent rages that no one wanted to be around because they were demon-possessed. There will be people, these leaders who find their ability to do amazing things not from God but from the devil not from angels but from demons and so you can't just look at what a person does you can't just listen to how uh, eloquently and how persuasively someone talks there has to be a standard there has to be objective truth and that's what I want to lead you to and understand today. I, I want not to leave you with these signs of the perilous times because you might be thinking like I that they, it might be close to his coming again. I want to give you some strategies to prevail in perilous times as I read them of Paul writing to Timothy. Uh, verse 10 is a shift, not just about talking about those perilous times, but what can a person do to prevail in those perilous times. First, uh, follow godly leaders. Follow godly leaders. Verses 10 through 13. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evildoers and imposters, frauds, that's what he calls the false teachers, contrast that with those people who try to, one, as you saw there in verse 10, they, they want to teach the right thing. You know my teaching, he says to Timothy. And then my way of life, they, they live what they teach. They live what they preach. They practice what they preach. And my purpose, my faith, they, 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 they have the right qualities. And then they show the right qualities, even in spite of persecution and suffering. I, I, I want to say to you, uh, the kind of teachers, the leaders you want to follow will be people who point you not to themselves, but point you to the one who lives in them. They will point you not to themselves, but to Jesus. 
for it is Jesus who is our objective truth, Jesus who is our Savior, Jesus who is the one that gives us a model of humanity to pursue. Will we ever make it? No, we're not perfect. We never will be. But I will tell you this, my goal is to be as much like Jesus as I can be. And I would ask you to have that same goal. And in terms of listening to teaching, uh, people talking about truth and the right ways to live, I would encourage you to, to follow, to listen to people who seek you not to worship them, but to worship Jesus that they teach. I will say that to you. I've said it before. I will say it again. Uh, you don't need to believe anything I say uh, just because it sounds good. You don't need to believe anything I say. You need to check me on the things that I say. You, you need to look at my scriptural references in teaching and, and help me with that. Uh, I will never teach you anything uh, false as I, can, as I can help it. But you all can help hold me accountable. And as far as others you listen to, you want to make sure they are lovers of Jesus and not of themselves. Follow godly leaders. Secondly, stay focused and faithful to Jesus. Stay focused and faithful to Jesus. This is verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have come, become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able, to, and listen to this last part, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I will say something to you. Today you might hear me saying that you need to worship the Bible. I am not saying that. I do believe the Bible is our only reliable God of teaching us the character and the values and the priority of God. It's the only way we can understand and have a relationship with God and with his son, Jesus. But it is not the book that we worship. It is Jesus who is revealed in the book that we worship. It is through Jesus that we find our salvation. And so Paul says here, uh, stay focused on him. I love what it says in Hebrews. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And he says, remember who you learned that from. Remember the legacy of those who loved Jesus before you. In particular for Timothy, he's calling to mind, as he did earlier in this book, his mother and his grandmother, who not only understood and lived by that truth, but they modeled it for him. That's what we need to understand. Think about those who've left a legacy for us and understand we are leaving the legacy for those to come behind us. What does our legacy need to be? It needs to be people who prioritize following Jesus. It needs to be people who, when you look at them, they want you not to see them, but they want you to see Jesus who lives in them. That makes sense? This is what we want to, to point to. If you want to be able to cope if you want to be able to deal with, if you want to be able to prevail over whatever is in our future, put your eyes on Jesus every day. Stay focused and faithful to him. Lastly, let the word of God equip you. Let the word of God equip you. Verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. It is that word, theonustus, it literally means god it breathed it into the writers of scripture 
God breathed it into Moses. He breathed it into David. He breathed it into John and Luke and Peter and Paul. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching the right, what, what's the right things to know. Rebuking, how when we get off track, the wrong things, how we're to, to challenge the wrong things, the wrong teaching. Correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly, that's the purpose of scripture, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All of us are servants. All of us have the same manual. All of us have the same objective truth that we can follow, that we can test. You see, if you hear someone teaching, you should check uh, their teaching by the word. So much today, so much of what's called a spiritual, even Christian teaching is people's opinions and not interpretation and application of scripture. You can even be a bishop in some denominations and ha have a proper understanding or reliance on scripture. That's not good for those end times. It's not good for those perilous times. It's not good practice for those last days. John Wesley wrote this, I'm a creature of a day passing through life as an arrow through the air. I am a spirit come from God and returning to God, just hovering over the great gulf till a few moments hence, I am no more seen. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach the way. For this very end, he came from heaven. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is enough knowledge for me. Let me be a man of one book. If I could say one thing to you today for you to hear, it's be a man or woman of the book. You will be equipped for whatever is to come. Be husbands and wives of the book. Be fathers and mothers of the book. Let us be a church of the book. We will proclaim Christ as he's revealed in that book. Whether it's popular or unpopular, we will stand for the truth. Whether it costs us our lives, our wealth, our health, we will stand for the one who's revealed to us in the book. That's the right stuff. That's the stuff to build your life on. That's the stuff to leave as your legacy. Others, we think about these things today. I know this has been a tough lesson. We don't like to think about persecution and suffering. We don't like to think about the inevitable conflict that this culture brings to us. This culture so hedonistic, so narcissistic. And our nature is to put ourselves first. Make a choice we must. 
I pray that you'll lead us. You'll compel us. You'll convict us to choose you. You'll help us to be students. We would never grow weary of studying your Bible, of growing in our knowledge of the Word and growing of our application of it in our lives. I pray this day that each of us will be and will have the right stuff. I pray it in Jesus' name.